Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel, episode 132. I've got Elias Randall back for episode 128 that he's been featured on. I'm the. I think you've only missed four ever. I don't know that, but I am the star guest of the program. You used to be I love plaid, being on the show. You went from plaid planner to the polo guy. Plaid planner to grumpy Gus. Grumpy Gus? Huh? Okay. No. You know, I plaid planner, I don't know. I think you came up with that. I think Brad did. I think he was watching the show. He's like, it's the plaid planner. It was right be. after someone said you were boring. Well, not much has changed on that front. I'm still boring, and I don't plan on getting any less boring anytime soon. So, yeah, I meant whoops to ask, a daisy. I meant to ask you. I know you did the radio show the other night by yourself. How did that go? It went really well. It was a lot of fun. Doug, um, Doug Wagner, the host of that show, does a really good job. And uh, I wish I could remember what we talked about last. Tuesday, but that was a week ago. It was I don't. Silicon Valley Bank, SVB. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we were talking about the bank. Um, and that was pretty timely, right? Because that all really went crazy last week. Um, it was a good show. We didn't have, I thought we were going to have some callers. Sometimes when crazy stuff happens, we get more callers, but we didn't have any for that show. Um, Doug did a good job hosting it. We were able to talk about what was going on, why it was kind of relevant for people, some of the lessons that investors could learn from that. So it was a good show. It was a really, it was fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. I, I think what's interesting and what's happening in, in today's, I don't know, let's call it market landscape is we've been talking about a recession coming for the better part of a year. It's been the talk for the last year and people are starting to ask, well, where's this recession? And I know you've just told people we're in a recession. And really, a recession is just the slowdown of economic activity. But the, but what's happened in the last week with the banking sector could be kind of the first cracks or signs of, hey, we actually are going to have a recession. The question just becomes, you know, how, how bad does this actually get? And obviously, nobody knows that. And before we did the show, I was actually joking with Molly a little bit and said, well, if we predict a recession long enough, it's going to come. It's just part of the economic cycle. So 12 months in, we haven't got it. Maybe it's six months or eight months or 12 months longer. I don't know. Um, but it's just interesting that we're starting to see some economic cracks surrounding banks, which you know typically give people a pretty high level of fear when they hear that banks are struggling. Um, but I, I think some of it, it's, it's misunderstood why, why they're actually struggling right now. Yeah, I also think maybe people are waiting for for the recession. Maybe people will say, hey, okay, we're in a recession when things start to maybe get really painful, but that may not happen this time. We can have a recession like we're having now, which we are. Economic growth has slowed down. I think we know that, and I, you know, I know the whether we're in a recession or not is now – it's a debatable thing because we had a def we had a definition of recession and apparently we hit that, but now it's different and it's a debate whether it is a recession or not. Well, that's a good point though because in 2022, in, in recessions typically measured off GDP. Correct. The first two quarters of 2022, we were negative 1.6 and then negative 0.6. Then in the third and fourth quarter, the economy 
bounced back and we were up 3.2 and up 2.7. So arguably, maybe the recession's already been here and gone, but we didn't have any slowdown in economic activity other than just gross domestic product. Right. You think about the first quarters of last year, you couldn't buy a house on fire. Interest rates were still low. So I just think it's interesting that we've already had the two negative quarters, but that's not, that's not, uh, that's not a recession. So we're still talking about having a recession. I've also seen some economists they are moving their recession call all the way out to like summer going into fall of 2025. So there's people out there that believe. So time out. How long do we get to like, how long do we actually get to predict this thing? Like what's right. the reasonable amount of time to predict? Cause I could say we're going to have a recession in the next six years and I'll probably be right. Right. So I think the point I'm getting at is the federal reserve has set out for the soft landing scenario and, whether you believe that can happen or not, or if it if it will happen, I mean, if they accomplish what they've set out to do, we can have some economic slowdown without necessarily necessarily having like a huge recession that really, really a lot of people get laid off and all these bad things happen and unemployment goes way up because ultimately, if inflation can get under control and there's probably enough data to support that it is getting under control that it's not going up as much as it was you know and i th- i think the other lesson is not every recession is a huge crisis like 2008 was a crisis that and they people refer to it as the great financial crisis we can have it's normal for economies to have recessions it doesn't mean we have to go into crisis mode and Okay, we had some banks go out of business, very scary. Larger ones too, but like the Silicon Valley Bank, they cater to very wealthy people, very uh, wealthy technology companies. I don't know that that's representative of the entire business landscape or the economy in general. Is it maybe the first event and some events that will continue to happen? I don't know. I can't answer that. I know there's really nothing to suggest that it's going to keep happening. Like I'm, maybe banks will struggle a little bit, but as far as like going bankrupt or going out of business into receivership, I don't know about that. Well, let, uh, let's talk about Silicon Valley Bank because let's be honest about what that really was. We bailed out a bunch of rich guys. I agree with that. That's what it was. We bailed out a bunch of rich guys. This wasn't, you know, Joe and Mary living in their $250,000 house who had $30,000 in the bank. These are corporate... Silicon Valley executives that had 10 million, which I guess I'm, I'm okay with if we had a bailout a company that had their money there because we needed to keep the payrolls rolling. That was really the big risk is that we have all these Silicon Valley banks who are banking here. They were required to bank there because Silicon Valley Bank was basically, you know, providing leverage and debt to these companies that couldn't get it anywhere else. But to get that debt and the debt management that they would provide or lines of credit, they made the deposits stay there. So they almost trapped them into being there. So that's one thing we had to keep the payrolls going, but there's a corporate executive that decided to keep 10 million at the bank, fully knowing that 250 is the maximum amount of insurance. Why are we bailing them out? They chose to, they could have went and bought government treasuries. They could have bought an ETF. They could have bought a money market somewhere else. 
Well, and nine, so I, I think and over 90% of the deposits were not insured. Uninsured. So that tells you how much money so is this, in that. So bank. I don't want people to listen because I'm going to guess people listening to our podcast, Elias, don't have $10 million in the bank on a regular basis. Be nice. Maybe you sold business I and you had, had $10, 10 million, million dollars in a bank. But that's somewhere. what I'm saying. So let, let's talk more about what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. And you mentioned that it could be the precursor to more events. And I think back to when, when I hear banks going out of business, I think back to to um, the Great Recession, the financial crisis, right? And when that happened, when the first bank or two started to stumble, it's like, oh, well, yeah, this is contained. Like, it always starts out as this is probably contained. It's not systemic. What Silicon Valley Bank did is they went out and bought what they viewed as a very safe investment which was a government treasury bond. And when you mention the word government treasury bond to most people, Elias, they would say that's probably the most safe investment you could buy. But what made it unsafe for the bank is they matched their deposits against a 10-year treasury and mortgage-backed securities that they bought in 2001. Well, what's happened to interest rates? It's the fastest interest rate increase of all time. It's not as high as it was in the 70s. But we went from zero to four and a half in 12 months. They didn't go to zero to 18% in the 70s in four months. They started at six or seven and went from there. So what's happened is caused those 10-year treasuries to fall in value. Arguably, if they hold them for 10 years, though, there's no risk to principal. But as soon as people started pulling their money out, they then had to go sell those 10-year treasuries at a loss and they didn't have enough liquidity. That's what's really happened. So what really happened was we bought what we consider a safe investment and the market went the wrong way we thought it would. So we then get a run on this bank. So there's a couple things happen. One, the regulators should have seen this. I mean, where are the regulators in all this? Should have said, you have X amount of deposits, you're buying 10 year paper. Like that's a little bit too long duration for you to have. But it's not like this bank, you think of bank when you think of like bad behavior, if interest rates were normalized and we didn't see this massive increase, we're probably not even talking about this. But what I want most people to know, most people don't have a problem. Unless you've got $250,000 in your financial institution, why would you worry about it? And Other if you than have, it's just scary when banks go out. People think it's scary when banks go out of business. It, it, and bank runs are yep. scary. If you had a million dollars in your bank, you probably shouldn't have a million. You should keep 250. So back to the recession, like something always is the catalyst to a true recession. Is the rising interest rates that are putting pressure on banks the catalyst? And here's what's interesting too about Elias. Typically, when you think of rising interest rates, you think that banks would be doing better. Because yeah, their net interest margin gets better. Mm -hmm. There's more spread. But they have a liquidity crunch because for them to make money and get a good interest spread before, they're buying longer dated paper. If they had just bought two-year treasuries or even six-month six month, uh, treasuries, we wouldn't have a problem. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. Which is some mis mismanagement on behalf of the bank. I mean, they made some probably not optimal choices. We could probably easily not even be talking about it, though. I mean, there was 
it was kind of inter it was kind of odd but it was like a it was like a modern day twitter fueled bank run where some people it was recommended to them to take their money out of the bank by firms that they were working with and it just kind of spread like wildfire where had that never happened maybe no one's even talking about the silicon valley bank maybe they're just doing business as as usual right now and nothing bad happened but that's not what happened and as we talk about recessions there's other challenges that are going to arise like you know what happens if inflation comes back I mean, the, the, the two-year Treasury went from a little over 5% to 3.9%. People are guessing that the Fed is not going to raise rates. I don't see how they don't raise rates. F- inflation hasn't gone away. My eggs are still $4.72. Yeah, I, I'm, not, yeah I'm not betting against um, I'm – not, I'm not betting for, like, a big pivot. I don't think – I just don't understand how it can happen when – we still have what well, you know wages are going up um still have a lot of demand for employment and i think we i i feel like if inflation gets running hot like it did that's going to cause a lot more problems than continuing to raise interest rates until inflation is resolved um I don't know. I'm getting sick of inflation, though. I know that between inflation and the shrinkflation and then all that stuff, I'm just getting sick of it. You can't even you can't even go to the grocery store and buy groceries for a reasonable, reasonable price. You got to buy six dollar eggs. If you want to get a steak, it's twenty dollars a pound. It's just really kind of out of control, to be honest. So here's the other thing. I, I just I read this the other day. We're back to on housing existing housing not not new construction but existing housing there's very little inventory multiple offers coming in again and that's probably going to be a persistent problem a lot of people refinance people don't want to sell a house that they can afford and it's got a low interest rate the the lack of actual inventory is going to hold up this housing market because just just like me i'd like to get a new house but i don't want to give up my rate that's 2.75 to go to six and a half or seven but now what's happened with the two-year? These mortgage rates have dropped back to the probably low sixes, mid fives. And people are going to jump and try to try to get on these homes that are available. It's going to be competitive. Right. And with that, and I think we've talked about, a lot of people have asked about a big correction in real estate, a crash in the real estate market and value of homes. But those prices are pretty sticky. There would have to be, a lot of foreclosures, there would have to be something. And just all the data behind that doesn't suggest, to me, doesn't suggest that that's on the table. Um, so I just pulled the, up our local area. Yeah. Median sold price uh, in February is 174.994. 12 months ago, it's up 12, it's up seven and a half percent from a year ago. So it's supposed to be going down. Yeah, but we're up 7.5% in our local area. We're in Iowa. For right, because the, inven- the, the inventory issue, there's not, and we, we talk, I don't know, remember last time we talked about it, but there's too much demand. There's not enough, there's not even enough home builders in the country to catch up with the demand right now. So if there's not enough people that are willing to build houses to catch up with the the demand for housing, how is the supply going to get there? 
so the price can come down a little bit. It's not. These are sticky prices, and I don't know anyone who wants to sell their house for um, any less than what someone says it's fairly valued at. I mean, I know I just got our annual um, property tax value. So the county's pretty proud of my property and it went up quite a bit. So am I going to sell it for, right. But if that's what they say, it's, I'm just saying psychologically now in my mind, that's what the house is worth. It's probably worth that in some, then in some, to be honest with you, most of the time the assessed value is lower than the actual appraised value of a house. They're pretty proud of my house. I know that. Let me tell you what actually happened with that. I I follow mine because mine's pretty hefty. In two, last year, they lowered my assessed value by like $90,000. So my taxes went down. This year, they raised it by 130. So my net difference from two years ago is only 40,000. Nobody talked about when they lowered the person's assessed value on their home because my assessed value went down last year. But then it shot back up this year. Hmm. But yeah, I would tell you, my assessed value. My assessed value is still lower than my appraised value by a lot. Is it really? Yeah, a lot. See, I'm not even sure I could sell my house for what the... My my assessed value is less than I paid for my house seven years, Hmm. six years ago, seven years ago. It's interesting. But you're dealing with what, Marion? Yeah, new construction too at the time, so it's a little... I was really nice when the guy came over and wanted to walk through my house to do the assessment. You know, most people don't let them in. I'm like, come on in. Butter them I up a little bit. I don't, yeah, I don't care. You I ask for, look at my stuff. But if you think about that, so the housing market's good. Like, other than this little banking thing that's going on, what's bad in the economy? Gas prices are down to three bucks a gallon. Like, that's reasonable. Housing isn't, like, on fire. But, I, you know, I'm looking at this data. I just, and I just Googled this while we're doing the show. Um, in our local area, average sale time was 36 days is up to 42 days. So it's a little longer to sell your house. Um, but one that struck me too is 67 homes were now sold under asking out of um, 67% of homes are under ask versus over, but still 16% of the, the properties people got over their asking price. I mean, in all the years I've bought homes, so I've owned a home for 21 years. This is the only time I remember that close to 20% of the properties go for over ask. Usually you list a house and you get offers 5, 10, 15% below. Only 70% of the homes are, went for ask. So 35% of the homes went for asking or more still. That's still a seller's market. And what's every YouTube video right. out there? The crash is here. The crash yeah. is coming. It's all garbage. Everyone I know, see, I don't think, I don't know how many real estate professionals are putting out videos like that. And maybe some are some places, but here's I, the real estate professionals I know in the Midwest are not talking like that. They don't, they don't think that. And I think I would probably trust their judgment on the pulse of the real estate market more than I would, um, my TikTok news that I like to watch once in a while. I've just, I, I watch a lot of this stuff because I want to know what people are saying. I actually don't consume my my real data there, but I get a kick out of some of these guys. And a lot of these guys, they're just trying to get clicks. That's it. This is their job. They're getting clicks. Whatever they can do to get a click. 
Click, click. That's it. I want clicks. So we'll see when this, when and if we actually get a recession. I'm, I'm not totally sure. I mean, I, I see things slowing in the economy, but not that much. I think the biggest thing that I see happening is this morning, Amazon's laying off 9,000 more people. So we're starting to see, it started with Facebook and started in the tech industry, but Amazon just laid off 9,000 people today. And, and I believe that um, the more we see layoffs, that's when we might actually start to see some slowing in the economy as people have less money to spend. But people are still willing to go spend money. Yeah, and th this may be, you know, maybe the mid, maybe the Midwest is different than other places. I think maybe we're having some regional recessions, or I guess that might be the term for it. But I know all of the most of the businesses in our, our area are looking for people still, and it doesn't seem to matter what industry they're in. And I haven't heard of anyone that's starting to talk about layoffs and getting rid of people. I know even the contractors I know, they're starting to get more inquiries for bids and more projects. People are tired of worrying about a recession. They haven't done anything just for six months because they're just hearing all the, all these bad things are going to happen at some point. Just got to right. live your life and move on down the road. But for people who are actually concerned that this recession is coming, it probably is at some point. Just don't know when. So how long are we going to be paralyzed about what we're doing? Um, you know, one of the good things you can do is just stress test your finances. You know, what happens if I don't have a job for five or six months and you talk about this all the time, just make sure you have a good emergency fund. It's probably the easiest thing you can do to prepare for a recession that doesn't involve like stopping the things I do in my everyday life because I think something may happen. The best thing to do is just get prepared, have a great emergency fund. So it doesn't really affect you that much. Um, that's the first thing emergency funds, save more cash. But then the other thing that I, I actually think about is one of the really good things you can do is try to deleverage. Leverage is great in times of prosperity. Like people like debt in times of prosperity, whether debt's good or bad, debatable, most debt's bad. But if you're really worried about a recession, the best thing you can do, get an emergency fund and get debt free as soon as possible. What do you have to worry about? If you're debt free and you have an emergency yeah. fund, what do you have to worry wow. about? Well, you you, there might be stuff to worry about. You're going to have less to worry about. Minimal stuff to worry right. about. Right. Yeah. Most people that get sunk during a recession have too much leverage. Probably they not a, enough cash they flow. Yeah, they don't have the cash flow to support it. Yeah, they have yeah. a home, giant home equity line of credit. They got a credit card bill. They got two car payments. They had a boat payment, student loan payment. Oh yeah, we can float all that and we can make all of our obligations every month when we both have jobs. But the second we don't have a job, we can't uh -oh. go two months. So the best thing you can do is deleverage. I think about certain jobs, like if you're in a job where you think you're expendable during a recession, your company's gonna have much lower revenues, I'd really be thinking about how do I prepare for this. I think in addition to that, just, I call it adulting, but having reasonable debt and not too much debt, being able to live within your means. I mean, that's whether you're coming into a recession or not, those are things if you're gonna be serious about your money and you know, you wanna build your net worth and, and have some money someday, you're just going to have to do those things. So I had a phone call with a, a listener of this program the other day and 
super responsible young person. Uh, we talked about their 401k, what they have going on there, their debt and everything. So this is, this is an example of someone who's, they're only 32 years old. They own a home. They've done a good job saving in their 401k and they have no debt and they don't carry any consumer debt. So their vehicles are paid for. They just have their mortgage and that's it. Their cash flow is good every month. They can afford everything they need. They can afford their savings, have an appropriate emergency fund. And, you know, he's been watching the show. So he wanted to know if he's on track, should he be doing, doing anything different? And it's nice to be able to kind of talk with people who are doing all those right things and let them know, you know, this is what you should be doing. You're doing all the things that will pay off in the long term, not having debt. And the nice thing is he's now this person's in a position where let's say you want to update a vehicle. Well, you've already shown, you know, all the habits to be able to save money. You can save up cash for it, go buy yourself a nice new vehicle and a and during that time, you still save for retirement and you never set yourself back. So that's really, I think to me, that's the bigger lesson is, yeah, it's great for recessions coming. You can beef up your emergency fund, but it's also great that you should probably always have one, have one anyway. Yeah, that, that's all good advice. And I, you know, everybody thinks they have to have it today. Just waiting a few months to get a car or whatever it is starts to make a big difference. I mean, the average car payment is $700. Most people could get away with a paid-for car and go spend five, ten, fifteen thousand, or take a very, very small car loan and not be sunk by $700 a month. But if you're sitting at home and you got $1,500, $1,800 a month in car payments, which people do, promise you there's people out there with that, and you think a recession's coming and you think maybe my job's at peril, maybe you should rethink where you're spending your money. You think about it, people have $1,800 in car payments. Do they actually know what kind of a house they could have for $1,800? I don't know they how, have, they have I don't know how a normal, house. yeah, I don't know how a normal family could have two car payments plus your mortgage plus. They're not saving money. All the, well, I know and that, that, that's the reality every, of Every it. vacation's going on a credit card and they never get it paid off and they get a bonus from work and that gets it back to even, but then they think they have more money. So they go make another silly mistake. Like COVID bailed everybody out. Here's your free money. Like it did. You think about, okay, how many people, I, I know there's a, a, lo a large amount of people who actually needed those COVID relief checks. I'll bet you like 75 didn't. I saw the greatest fireworks show ever from my front yard. Oh, it was all my neighbors. A lot of people didn't need it. I've talked to so many people that, yeah, I got it. Didn't really need it. No. I mean, so what just, they do, they the, painted, they went out and bought furniture. Yeah. They bought, and you know, I, the PPP thing. You want to know what caused inflation? That. A bunch of business oh, owners who that, they gave yeah. money to that didn't need it. They not, they had to take it because nobody knew it was going to happen. Nobody expected that everything would bounce back as fast as it did from COVID, right? Correct. So to be a prudent business owner, you had to take that PPP money. But then you'd have to pay it back. Well, if you're a large employer or even a small employer with a large payroll and you got handed a check, you didn't have to pay back. What happened to it? It was invested or it went toward, it went to something. It didn't just sit around. Land, real estate, stock market. Yeah. Three asset classes that went up the most. That's where it went. Because those people aren't going to buy grills with it, paint their house. That's already done. They're going to, they're, I mean, 
they're going to put it into an asset of some kind. So, you know, that's all the stuff that's probably led to where we are and why we're talking about the recession. At some point, some air has to come out of the bubble. Yeah. And the PPP loan thing just goes unspoken about. Do they still have that going on? I see commercials all the time. Get your third round. What third round? I, I haven't seen any commercials. I was unaware. I thought that program was over. I did too, but I saw some commercial. I get it on my Facebook feed. Get your third round. I don't know why we did a second. Of paycheck protection? I guess. I don't know if it's like companies out there trying to clickbait you to get some service from or what, but. Huh. Haven't seen any of those, so I'm not sure. Well, hey, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show today. If anybody's looking for help, you can go to btwellshow.com. Till next time, thank you. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.